We've been talking about discipleship, and sometimes that's a big word that we don't talk about a lot, but yet we've been hopefully bringing to light that discipleship is the very essence of being a Christian. Um, a Christian is not about anything else but discipleship. And I think because of that, many of us have not truly um, entered into a Christian uh, life. I think many of us have said a prayer. Many of us have believed uh, a truth. Uh, many of us have decided to follow a moral uh, uh, standard for our life. And I'm going to tell you, you are nowhere near being a Christian. Because it's not about uh, uh, believing in Jesus. It's not about um, uh, asking him to forgive our sins. Um, everything that Jesus himself taught was about following him. And, and that is the very definition of discipleship. A disciple, the word disciple means follower. It means someone who dedicates themselves to follow and learn from and become like a leader or a teacher um, uh, in their life, a mentor uh, that they have chosen to give their life over to. And so to be a Christian is not to live by a philosophy. It is not to be uh, religious. It is not to be somewhat spiritual uh, and to uh, be a good person. But to be a Christian saying, I'm going to follow this Jesus person. You understand? It is saying that everything that I am is going to be about Jesus. And we've looked at this. What does it mean? I think we have deceived ourselves. There are, and it's not for us to judge one another, but we need to look at ourselves and realize that many of us, we are not following Jesus we may be believing in him, we may be hoping in him because we don't want to go to hell and, and we don't want to be judged, but we have not made the decision to follow Jesus. Um, it's kind of like uh, when uh, we were in times of war, when we've been in times of conflict in our country, uh, we know that there becomes ads and, and recruitment uh, to, to come and, and fight for your country. Uh, to join the military. And how many know there is a definite line of demarcation from I support my country to signing up for service of my country? Um, how many know that when you make that decision and you sign, and I'm going to go in the military, and I have done that, uh, there is an expectation that you don't just say, hey, I'm going to sign up for the military, I'm going to fight for my country, and then you go back home and say, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm go USA and fight. No. If you did that, you'd hear a knock on your door a few weeks later and say, uh, you didn't show up. You signed up. You now live for the military. Your life is forever not your own. And I think many of us, uh, we forget that that is what the Christian life is. Christ has come to us and said, we're in a war. There's a battle for your soul. God is willing to fight for you. Will you join God's side and win the battle for your soul? And many of us say, yes, I'm, sign me up for that. I believe in Jesus. He's 
done that, and then we go back home. And God shows up, hey, where are you? I thought you were joining. Yeah, I joined, Jesus. Yeah, I'm on your side. And yet we never show up. Because it's not about this mental acknowledgement. God has called us. We either follow or we walk away. And yet many of us have walked away, and yet we still think that we are somehow covered and we have not responded. And, and so we've been looking at this. This is so key because this is such an important thing that I think we are living in a time that is close to the, the return of Jesus. There is close to the time of the judgment in this world. And even though we don't know when that's going to happen, we are close to our own judgment because each one of us could face God tomorrow. We could go to be with the Lord. Our life could be over um, uh, in a moment, and we don't know when that is. And so it is so key. This is why Jesus constantly calls out, will you follow me? Follow me before it's too late. You're not following me, and if you don't, the enemy has put a blinder over our eyes. And in fact, many times he, he talks about Israel, that the enemy had put a shade over them, that they thought that they were fine because they lived in the law and they followed the things that God taught, but yet they had rejected Jesus. And many of us Christians are the same way. We have a blinder over our eyes, and we're living life as if everything's going to be okay, and yet there is danger that God is trying to say we need to become disciples before it's too late. And so we've looked at the different characteristics of discipleship. First, we looked at that discipleship is necessary, what I've just been saying. You can't just be a Christian, and then the people that are just really fanatic Christians, they're the disciples. No. We're either a disciple or we're not a Christian. So it is necessary. In fact, Jesus put it this way, you must be born again. In other words, your old life is gone and you now have a new life. And if you can't commit to that, then you are not committing to Jesus. Don't try and justify it. Well, I believe, no, stop. You either have a new life given over totally to Jesus or you are still living for those old things. If you can't leave the old things of your life, if those old things are still determining your schedule and your money and your passions, and then they're the ones that have control of you, not Jesus. And I know that's a harsh word, but it is necessary. Uh, we also looked at discipleship is responsive. To be a disciple means we respond to Jesus. That means our life no longer lives by our, our own desires, but now we live by the response of Jesus. Did you say something, Jesus? Then I will respond to that. I will answer the call. When Jesus calls, I answer. It's not, oh, okay, Jesus, let me put that on my to-do list. That sounds like a good one. Okay, I'll do that. No, discipleship means we immediately respond. We looked at the disciples. It said when Jesus called them, what did it, they do? It says they dropped their nets and they left. They went. How many of us are responding to Jesus? Or are we just putting Jesus in our calendar? Do we just give Jesus a, a time frame and, and part of our life? Or are we responding to everything that he says? Um, we need to be people that respond. And, and last week, we looked at if we are going to be a disciple, there's a cost. We have to be willing to pay the cost. Jesus said, if you are going to follow me, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. You've got to be willing to sacrifice. And, and, and it's the same thing. Like I said, when we go into the military, 
Um, uh, there are great things that you receive, but there is a cost. But that cost is worth it when you realize what you're fighting for. The cost is worth it when you value the, the victory that God has given you. But here's the point. Do you really value Christ? If you don't value Christ that much, you're not a disciple. You're probably a fan of Jesus. You're probably a, a, a religious adherent. You come to church here, and you kind of like being around church things, and you like the feeling you get when you sing songs and, and thinking about Jesus. But you see, following Jesus means you pay a price. There's a cost. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you've got to tell people, no, I can't do that. And sometimes you're going to get kicked back, and they're going to you know, uh, uh, disagree with you, or, or you might lose some friendships, or, and there's going to be definite cost. And if you're not willing to pay that, then you need to understand right now that you're not a disciple. Are you willing to pay the cost to be a disciple? And, and that sounds so hard, but you see, it's not hard when you realize the value that you get because we get Jesus. Jesus is worth everything. He is the very creator of this life. There is a plan. There is a purpose. Uh, there is a, uh, uh, an overarching uh, essence of life that God gives us when we choose Jesus. And so that is worth any cost that we give up, whether it's inconvenience, whether it's sleep, whether it's money, whether it's relationships. You see, he is worth it. Which brings us to today. The fourth aspect of discipleship, what does discipleship look like? Um, it looks like this. Discipleship is communal. You cannot follow Jesus by yourself. Discipleship is not a one-on-one -on -one, uh, trainer. Jesus is not a personal trainer. Jesus brings us into group class. Jesus is building a church. Uh, you see, when we sign up for the army of God, it's not for individual uh, 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 special forces. We become an army. Um, and, and that is what God is building. And even better than that, he's building a family. We follow Jesus in family, in community, as a body, as a bride. All of these are descriptions of what Jesus calls his disciples. Um, uh, he, he called them a temple that is built together to hold the very presence of God. Now, how many know a temple is not going to be much of a building if it's just one little brick sitting on the, on the outskirts of, of the, of the uh, foundation, okay? It, it is all of us built together. And so this is the, the next thing we need to understand. We see this all the time. I follow Jesus, but you know what? The church thing I can give or take. Then you don't understand discipleship. It's not a give or take. It's not, well, that's not my personality. Other people have that much. No. Discipleship is communal. The very idea of following Jesus is following him in community. Um, if we reject community, you are rejecting Jesus. Because Jesus and God, Jesus 
as a part of the Trinity, the very character of God is community. God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the very essence of their character is a love that so loves one another that, that we cannot exist apart from each other. And so it was that same entity of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that said, this community is so great, let's make man so that he can also experience this community. So we were even built for this very reason to come into community with one another. Um, it, there was never a thought in God's mind that I would create these people and, and, and they would want to just follow me individually. In, in fact, that is so ab abhorrent to God that that is the very essence of sin because the essence of sin was you can do it yourself. You don't need God. You don't need other people. You can decide what's right and wrong. You see, the very idea of individualism that I myself am, am more important than, than anything, and I determine my, that is the very core of sin that separates us from God. Because God's whole character is family, community, coming together, leaning on one another. And so if we are to be disciples, it must be in community. And it is a community that is uh, rooted within each other. And we're going to look at this in a little bit because many times we say, okay, I'll be part of community, but I'm just going to come, we come here, and then I go home. That's not community. Uh, that's like people that, how many, you have a family, but how many, you have friends that come over to your house and visit. They like to visit. You like to visit with them, and you play games with them. You know, you have a game night, and the friends come over, but then they go home. Well, how many know they're not family? You may be very close friends, you may enjoy it, but there's a difference between family because family are always there. Family are the ones that in thick and thin, we lean on each other. We begin to uh, uh, have roots together. And yet many of us, we want to treat the church as friends, as guests, as, oh, I love going to church because, you know, but then we're just going to go home. God is looking for people who are willing to say, no, this is family. This is where life is. We're going to pick it up in Mark, and all of these have been the words of Jesus. And uh, they've been in the book of Mark as we've been going through Mark. Um, and so we're going to pick up in Mark chapter 10. As once again, Jesus and all of these, these uh, descriptions of discipleship come from Jesus himself. These are not even just uh, teachings, uh, teachings by others. These are the very words of Christ as he describes uh, discipleship and what we are called to. Um, and so this is a story that, that we all know, and really the point is not the story, but it's going to be what, what happens after it. In Mark chapter 10, verse 17, it says, And as he, this is Jesus, was setting out on his journey... A man ran up and knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's an awesome question. He wanted to know God. He wanted to live uh, in the life that God had for him. He wanted to be a disciple, right? This is what we're talking about. And Jesus said to him, 
Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So are you saying that I'm God? Are you recognizing that? He said, you know the commandments, do not murder, uh, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, uh, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And the young man said to him, teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus looked at him and loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. So we see that costly picture of discipleship again. But really what he's saying is, he's not saying that you need to give everything away. He's saying, if you come and follow me, you're not going to need that anymore. So you you might as well let other people have that. But if you're desiring me, then let's follow me. Now, it says that The young man was disheartened by this saying. You know why? Because he didn't really want to follow Jesus. He just wanted what Jesus could give him. I think many of us are the same way. It's not that Jesus is saying everyone needs to give all your money away. What he's saying is Jesus says, you just, if you're going to follow me, you need to follow me. I need to be more important than those other things. And this young man went away sad for he had great possessions. In other words, Uh, his following uh, was not of Jesus, but of this world. Now, it goes on in a few verses later, Peter and the disciples, they heard this, right? And they were like, man, that guy wasn't willing to do anything. We were willing to do anything, right? They were called and they walked away from this. This guy wasn't willing to walk away from those things. So Peter, in verse 28 began to say to him, see, Jesus, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel. What he's saying is, Yes, you've left stuff, and and to follow me, it's going to be a cost, and probably even more important than the cost of things, the most important cost of following Jesus is going to be relationships, because really, that's the hardest thing to leave. You've got to leave your father, you've got to leave your mother, you've got to leave your brother and your sister, your friends. He says, to follow me, you need to understand that relationships have got to be walked away from, Now we're going to talk about what that looks like. But he's saying Jesus has to become the most important relationship. And there is no one that has followed me for my sake or for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. So God is saying through Jesus that this act of discipleship is a, it is a uh, replacement, it is a switching, it is a willing of saying, I'll give up this for this, of one family for another. 
Because Jesus is saying, there's no one that has left family that does not, when you follow me, this is what you get. You get family. Because the very essence of following Jesus is receiving a new family. To follow Jesus, it says that you receive a hundredfold, you receive houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. And the word land there is not physical land, but you know, I come from the land of Egypt. And, and so it's your, 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 your identity, your, your nationality. There's no one that leaves your people that you don't receive more people in exchange. Are you willing to exchange the people that you hold on to for the people that God gives you because the very essence of discipleship is that you receive a new family. And that's key. Are we willing to exchange one set of priorities for a new community of people? Um, it is the very... Um, uh, picture of discipleship to walk in community um, because Jesus' whole purpose is to create a new community. Uh, it is this new creation. It is this repurposing of the world that was meant to live in a perfect community of peace and love and joy where we lean on one another, where we care for one another, where you know that you are cared for more than ever before. That only happens in the community of God. You might say, no, it happens in my family. You know, you have a picture of it in your family, but that is not happening in the way that God has called it to happen. Many of our relationships are broken. We know that if we admit it, and yet we still hold on to them rather than follow Jesus and rather commit to the body of Christ and begin to pour into the community of the church. The church becomes a secondary, and yet the church is meant to become our primary focus of family. This is what Jesus says. I want you to leave everyone that has left mothers and mother and brothers and sisters and family and houses and land and come and receive what I will give you, which is a hundred times over brothers and sisters and family. Are we willing to receive the family? that God gives us. This is what discipleship looks like. So in other words, the result of discipleship starts now because Jesus said, in this day, you will receive this. Now, he's not talking about if you follow me one day, you know what? One day when we get to heaven, we're all going to be a, a, a happy family in heaven. That's not what Jesus says. He says, now you receive a community with a little persecution thrown in. You know like how he says that? If you read that, there's just like one little verse there. It says, you get, you get new friends. You get new brothers and sisters and moms and dads and, and houses and lands. Oh, and you get some persecution too. In other words, when you exchange your worldly relationships for the godly relationships, the world does not like that. You're going to get persecuted for it. There's going to be some 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 kickback on that to where you are going to uh, uh, have persecution. But within that, we look forward to, and it says, and then eternal life. So yes, eternal life is the last thing, but, but that is not till later. 
the, the gift of community is now. And so if we are following Christ, if we are disciples, if we are saying, God, I, am, I choose you, Jesus, he says, you need to understand this. If you choose me, then you choose the church. And you choose the church not as just something that you are affiliated with. You choose the church as something that you are called uh, uh, to be a part of. And, and really, what he's saying is you get a family. This is something that God gives us. This is a gift. The church is meant to be a gift. Uh, the church is meant to be a place where we find a, a new sense of connection, a new sense of support. And this is where we just studied all summer long. We looked in this that God is trying to teach us to live in a community in such a way that we love one another, that we honor one another, that we are kind to one another, that we support one another, that sometimes we stir one another up and sometimes we begin to, to uh, 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 lead one another. But it is as we grow in the body of Christ that God gives us a sense of what it means uh, to be with God. That is what the church is meant to be. Now, are we there? No, we're working on that because sometimes people, why well, go to church and there's more fighting in church than there is at my house? So why would I want to give up my house? But you see, here's the thing. That only happens when we refuse to give ourselves to let Christ build us together in the way that the church should be. And that doesn't happen until we have committed ourselves and begin to put down roots with one another. And, and so we receive this gift, which becomes a support. It is meant to be a place where, where we will carry each other's burdens. I get a family that is different from the world because we have a different focus. And when we get this family, it is a family based on the love of Jesus, not based on uh, what we can give to one another in return. We remember when Jesus himself, Jesus himself embraced this idea of, of family in the church. We know that while he was ministering, we know that his mom and his brothers came to talk to him because they thought he was crazy, and uh, uh, he's calling himself the son of God, and they're like, no, 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 this is Jesus. We grew up with you. And so it says in Mark, the same uh, book a few chapters earlier, says, his mother and his brothers came, and they were standing outside, and they sent to him, and they called to him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mom and your brothers are outside seeking you, Jesus. And what did he say? He answered them, and he said, who are my, my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. You see, what Jesus says, God has given me people in my life that love God, and how much more do I have in common with those who love God and want to serve God than those that are just in this world? He's not saying I don't love my mom. He's not saying I don't love my brothers, but he's saying it has flip-flopped. I still love them as a family, but here is where my passion is with this family. 
because this family is the family that loves God, that we desire to do the will of God, that it is through this family that, that there is a sense of purpose of what God is doing. Have we made that flip-flop? Have we begun to give more importance? I would rather be in a place where God's presence is. And I want to do the will of God rather than use my physical family as a excuse. And let's be honest. How many of us, when the choice comes, be with the family of God or do your own family? Family of God always loses out. I need to think we need to question, are we disciples? Because I don't think we are. We're, we're playing it. And, and it's not saying to walk away from your family. He's not saying you need to leave your family. Peter still... When they followed Jesus, remember, they went into uh, his mother-in-law's house. So he still loved his family, but they became a, a secondary. They never overshadowed the love of the family of God. See, that's what God is calling us. The better way to love your physical family is by loving the family of God. The only way you can lead your family into the life that God has is by putting the family of God first. If you can't put the family of God first, you will never be the one who brings life to your family at home, to your children, to those around you. We have got to be like Jesus says, no, this comes first. I will not leave these people who are seeking God because I've got a family thing, because family's in town. Oh, guys, see you later. I got family in town. Jesus said, no, this is my family. Now, they'll wait and I'll spend time, and they, but they will know that about me. You see, they will know, and they only know when those choices are made, when those things begin to be reflected, that this is where my passion is. How else are they going to know how valuable God is if we don't even make God more valuable than them? You see, our family only sees Jesus as some part of your life because he never becomes that overarching thing that even affects them because they know that whenever they need something from us, they'll come first before God. Jesus said, you get a family. This is a gift that is given. But not only that, he's saying when you follow him as a disciple, not only do you get a family, but you, now here's what we forget. You are the gift of family. You need to understand that if you are truly a disciple of God, you become the gift to other new disciples. And I want to ask you, how many of you are being the gift of family to others? You know, we don't have time because we're not really part of the family deeply so that we are not the gift to others because others are only going to see us one time at a service on Sunday morning. Wow, what kind of gift of family is that for you? How can God give these people who he wants to show them that there is a family available to them when... These people who call ourselves family are not even available to be given as a gift to others. You see, we are, if we are truly disciples, you become the gift of family to others. You become the person that God expects to be kind and to give support and to give forgiveness and love and to bear the burdens of others because that's what they need. But are we being the disciples that we're called to be so that we're even there to be the gift of family. 
I think so many times we are so worried about just I'm living for you, Jesus, and I'm doing my best that I don't think about what, what I am called to be as a disciple. It's not about me. It's about what do I have to give to the family. It's about I am a portion of that family that sometimes can, can stand or fall because of my involvement. And because I, I refuse to be involved to a certain level, you know, church is only so important, it doesn't, then you're not a disciple. Because a disciple says, God, you are so important, I'm going to follow Jesus. Then are you really following Jesus? Because this is the heart of Jesus. And if you can't do it here, then you find some place that you can do it. I don't care about, we are all part of the church, but everyone needs to find a church, a body where they can be the body. And I tell people all the time, you know, uh, it doesn't have to be one specific, but wherever you find it, then get planted there and you make a difference because that's what a disciple does. Otherwise, then you're not, you're just playing the game. You're doing the religious thing. Are we being the gift that God gives to one another? Um, this is what Jesus said to Peter. After Jesus rose, remember, he, he saw Peter, and he came to Peter. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And how many of us, we'd say, yes, I love you. Peter finally got, this is the third time Jesus asked him that. He said, yes, I love you, Jesus. And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. What did Jesus say? Then feed my sheep. If you really love me, then you will be the one that feeds my sheep. This was not just the Peter as the head of the church. He's talking to each one. Do you love me? Then why are you not feeding my sheep? Why is your life out there and then you just connect once in a while? If you love me, you will be connected to those around me. We, you will be building a community that is so connected and loving of one another that the world says, this is something different. This is God. In fact, it says your love for one another is going to be the very reflection to the world that I was sent by God. And yet, what are we reflecting? I think we're reflecting a community club. I think we're reflecting something that we like each other, and so it's kind of a get-together. That's not what God desired at all. You know, when we have fellowships, do we come and sit around with each other to, to, to begin to grow? When we have Sunday schools and, and, and Bible studies on Wednesday night and prayer, on, these are opportunities where we give to one another. But how many of us are doing that? Don't raise your hand because, of course, I'm at everyone, so I already know. Very few of you are. Are we following God? I think Jesus is saying, do you love me? Then why are you not feeding my sheep? You might say, well, who am I to feed my sheep? I'm going to tell you who you are. Anyone feeds the sheep. You don't have to be some special to just care for one another, to become rooted together. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. You see, this is how important it is to grow together. Because we're facing an enemy, the gates of hell, the weapons of the enemy that is coming against this world. And if we can't even root together to grow strong, then the world is definitely not going to survive. 
You see, when the hurricanes come, when the storms come, the floods come, the only thing that saves the forest are the trees that have gotten their roots together and intertwined into the ground that stands strong. But if you find a solo tree by itself out in the middle, it's going to be knocked down. It is that strength together. But that takes time. That means we give ourselves to one another. That means spending time over and over. You might say, well, it's just one service. Every one service, every one opportunity is one more time to be given as a gift from God. So discipleship is meant to be a community. We cannot follow Christ alone. So I ask this question, what kind of family are you? Are you the type of family that, that likes to come in, you know, once in a while? We're traveling through. We just wanted to see, oh, we're great, but no, then we're gone. Are we more like friends? Are we more like fans? Are we more like guests? Are we more like country club members? Or are we what Christ desires? Are we family? Are we the body of Christ? Are we a temple that's being built together to host the very presence of God? That's a whole different thing. That's discipleship. Is Jesus really your leader that you want to see your life grown up into him? Then he is calling us to leave fathers and brothers and mothers and sisters and come to him and receive now a hundredfold other Mothers and brothers and fathers. And of course, the goal is to bring your family into this. But even if my family doesn't come into this, this becomes more important. Like Jesus said, no, this is my mother and brother. You say, well, that was Jesus. Well, then if you can't be like Jesus, then you're not following Jesus. And again, we're not talking about being rude to your family, saying, I can know. You know, we're not talking about some, some uh, 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 cult who tells people you got to, you know, leave your family. But what we are saying is that this becomes way more important. Priorities begin to be established. There becomes a reflection that they begin to realize, wow, that God thing really is important to you. Yes, it is. That is my family. And in so doing, hopefully that reflection will. Now, at some point, there's going to be persecution because some of them will not accept that. And you're right. There will be people that will not understand that. And they'll call you being rude and you be. But in our love, that still cannot be an excuse to not root ourselves in the body of Christ, in the family of God. In fact, Jesus uses husband and wife to, to reflect the church. He says, just as a husband leaves his family, his mom and dad, and clings to his wife, that is how the church and Jesus are brought together. And in so doing, uh, Jesus says, I am preparing for myself a bride without spot or wrinkle. I'm looking for a people who have left father and mother and clinged to their husband and made that decision that I will be part of the bride of Christ. And I will prepare that bride for that day when there is the wedding supper of the Lamb. 
So the question again, what kind of family are we? It is the promise of God. We get family. But more importantly, you are given as family if you are a disciple of Christ. Christ.